Beast OCR proudly presents BeastNet Podcast, sponsored in part by GH Under's Performance Base Layers and supported by the OCR community. Here we discuss all things OCR related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike here with BeastNet and I've got Jenna Ravenscraft with me. Um, how you doing, Jenna? I'm good, good. How are you? I'm doing good. So give us a little bit about Jenna. Let, let my listeners know who you are. Uh, so I live in Payette, Idaho, uh, which is about 10 minutes from the actual Boise venue. And I have been in the teaching field for the last 12 years at a high school. And now I'm an athletic director in Oregon. And I coach uh, junior college basketball uh, at Trans Valley Community College in Ontario, Oregon. Nice. See, that's yeah. where I always got confused and I thought you lived in Oregon. <laughs> Yeah, I'm right on the border. It's about two miles to um, okay. Ontario, Oregon, from my house. So, all right. And then, so that's that's you personally. What are you in the beast? I know. I think you're like me and had some random title that I can't remember what it is, but I don't remember my own either. Yeah. So I'm one of the Oregon or the Idaho directors. Like uh, the exact title, I'm not quite sure, but yeah. So yeah, I'm the same one. Uh-huh. I'm a Washington director, and I'm pretty much I'm like yeah, Washington director. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's a couple different terms that they use, and so it kind of just depends. It does. It depends, and you know some of those terms I don't think I can say on the on the podcast, but yeah. probably not. Probably not. <laughs> so. What kind of fun stuff do you do with these? I mean, I know you, like I said, you, you're the Idaho director, but do you do anything else crazy? Um, well, I've come up and done some races up there. I'm, I'm about six hours outside of kind of Portland. I think it's like seven and a half to Seattle area, but I've been up there for a couple of different races and different things and local races up there. I've done 30 Leprechaun this year, um, and I've really only been a member since uh, last May. Um, funny enough, you hear their names over and over again, but uh, I met Zane and Lorenzo, and I think you maybe in Montana that year. Um, it might have been me. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo and Zane were working street team that day, and so I just happened to meet them that day. Uh and they mentioned beasts, and then I happened to see them again when I was racing in Monterey. And since yeah. then, I've been uh, pretty linked up. I know you're you're everywhere. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I've mentioned it before. You're the reason that my wife has a uh, dry robe. So. <laughs> Funny, For- yeah. Mallory Mallory wore my dry robe this weekend in Tahoe um, when I was out racing, and she's like, uh, "Yeah, now I just have to have one." And I'm like, yep. mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that that what happened with Amber. She wore it, at, I think, <laughs> what, was it Seattle in that nasty rain while you were racing? Oh, yeah. Yep, and that's the one. She's like, yeah, you're buying me one of these. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I swear I could have sold so many dry robes for them in the past oh, yeah. couple of races. I mean, all you have to do is really, I mean, honestly, you have to go to Seattle and just offer those people wear it. Yep, and I was in Tahoe volunteering on Saturday um, since I ran on Sunday, and I took it up. I was standing on top of the mountain with it, and, yeah, I could have probably sold it for lots of money that day. No, I bet. Well, what was the weather like in Tahoe? I was here. I mean, there's the stories of two or three years ago where most people pulled off the course for hypothermia. I mean, how was it this year? Oh, um, Saturday was crazy. 
Um, so they opened the swim with the swim and the dunk wall were opened uh, that morning. Uh, yeah. For I think until like I want to say ten or eleven, but I could be wrong on the timeline. I have never seen people so cold in my life because where they had it stationed is the swim wasn't bad and the water wasn't too bad in the swim, but the dunk wall was up on the top where they had to traverse across where the wind was really ripping. And so they'd come out of the dunk wall and they had to traverse, I think it was a quarter of a mile to like three quarters of a mile across the top and down before they got like out of the wind. And there were people that couldn't talk when they got to like where we were at. And there was over a thousand people um, evac off the mountain on Saturday with hypothermia. So yeah. it got warmer as the day progressed, but the morning runners, when the swim and the dunk wall were open, that uh, was bad. And I've heard that. I mean, that's one of the things that a lot of people. I mean, that's one of the things about Tahoe. I mean, and that I have always loved with Spartan. They find ways to make the terrain and the weather part of the part of the obstacles. And oh, absolutely. Tahoe, the, that, that weather will, will get you. I mean, it was a couple of years ago. I know they had to shut down the course because it started snowing so bad. So Yeah, and I was volunteering that course. So that was the last year I was in Tahoe. I missed last year. Um, but two years ago, I was there, and I ran Saturday and volunteered Sunday. So I volunteered the day that it got shut down, and it was really nasty. Um, and I was almost in the same place volunteering this year, just a little bit off below the lodge, yeah. So how was Tahoe this year? Uh, to be honest, I was really, really kind of panicked going into Sunday uh, after I saw how cold people were. Yeah. I was panicked I was going to be one of those hypothermia victims. Um, but Sunday, they shut both of those down. They didn't really tell you. They um, When we started Sunday... I said, well, right now the, the swim is mandatory, but we are monitoring it. So it was about three, three and a half miles into the course. So by the time we all got there, uh, weather conditions had, they shut it down. They shut that in the dunk wall and they kept it shut down all on Sunday. So I was kind of relieved. I really wanted it shut down for the first lap because <laughs> that was the one that I was worried about. Yeah. Um, I would have taken it on the second lap, but I'm, I'm glad that they heated what happened on Saturday and uh, decided that that probably wasn't in the best interest of the racers because I think a lot of elite and competitive racers on Saturday that were running in that coin world championship race suffered yeah. from it and, and had a DNF from it because it was it was pretty scary. Well, I, mean, I didn't realize it was that early. I thought it was later in the race, but, I mean, three miles in on a 13-mile course. Yeah. And yeah. three miles in, I don't remember what the temp was Saturday, but I know we got lucky. We thought it was going to be in the high 30s, and it was actually like 44, 45 when we took off on Sunday. So, I mean, and the, and the wind hadn't really started ripping, and you were kind of protected down in the in start line area. It was really up on the ridge where you got the majority of the wind, and the sun had come up by then, too. So we got lucky, super lucky for weather on Sunday. And that's crazy to think that uh... – you're like, it's lucky it was 44 degrees. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I don't think I've heard any, any time I've ever heard someone say, hey, we were lucky it was 44 degrees. Yeah. yeah. Crazy us and us friend, right? Yep. But, I mean, that, that you know, when, when you're thinking about, you know, what it's like out there, I, I get that. But um, so how many, what got you into OCR? I, I mean, I know 
you, you said you met the beast, you know, uh, a few of us in May of last year, and then kind of got sucked into the the, the whirlwind that is the beast. But uh, what got you into the beast to begin with? Or not beast, but in the OCR, the whole idea of these crazy insane races. So uh, I grew up in Riggins, Idaho. I'm, I'm a California transplant, but uh, we moved up to Riggins and small town, and they started doing a, a local 5K, 10K half. Um, it's yeah. called the Salmon River Run. My mom goes up and helps out with it, and she helps out with it now, but the first year it started, we went up and ran as a family. And it was like me, my mom, and my dad. I think my brother was working somewhere else at the time, and it was kind of like a little family run. Well, I re- we all ran in the 5K division. Well, there wasn't like most of the people running in the 5K that day were like walking or pushing strollers, you know, it was a fun run. Well, I ran it to to run it, you know, being a competitive athlete, and I won the 5K, which by no means wasn't very fast, but, you know, it was up in Riggins, Idaho, and no one was really, you know, sprinting it or uh, competing to win it. They were doing it for fun, you know. And so a couple of my friends were like, yeah, you should do a half marathon, you should do a 10K. And I'm like, guys, I'm not doing anything that consists of running for, that takes me longer than 30 minutes because I'm just going to get bored. And uh, I'm like, oh, well, you should try those, those like mud runs and, and fun, fun runs that have obstacles and stuff. And then yeah. that following year was the first year that the, the Boise race happened and so the same friends that we were talking about they're like hey you want to do this race let's team up and do this race they're like you said you wanted to do something like this and i was like all right yeah sure you know it sounds like a good time and uh we did it with a group you know uh not everyone in the group was the same athletic backgrounds yes so the first my first experience was a long one but i would say probably five ten minutes into it uh i was hooked I was just like, oh, this is kind of fun, you know? Yeah. And uh, then you hit the obstacles, and it was like, oh, wow, this is really, really fun and kind of hard at the same time. So I played college basketball. Uh, I've played sports all my life. Like, I was right at that age range where I was looking for something to still be competitive in and be able to travel and do different things. And so it came, like, right at a great time for me. Uh, it was a weird 30 stage where you have expectations of where you should be in life and what you should have accomplished and that gave me something to kind of like push for and find a path I guess yeah yeah and I get that I, I did uh that's kind of was how I started I did the you know 5ks and half marathons and all that but I was like I'm bored you get like 15 minutes into the run and you're like hey look more gravel more pavement. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. And then, you know, by the end of it, you know, you're, you're just, you're not enjoying it. And that was my thing is I got to a point where I didn't enjoy them. And I did, you know, before I got hurt the first time, I think I did five half marathons and, you know, I just got to, I mean, three hours, which for me would be amazing to do it in three hours at this point, but three hours out there running was just boring. I'm like, I'm bored. I can only listen to my, you know, back then it was a, an iPod that, you know, didn't hold all that much. <laughs> so it was pretty much you listened to the same, like, 15 songs over and over again while you were running, you know. <laughs> so, yep. But you got that kind of, you know, because I'm old, 
Okay, I think you're the same age <laughs> as me as close, but um, yeah, I was like, I think we're about the same age. Yeah, but it was kind of one of those things. But I, it sounds really bad, but I've gotten I'm so nerdy that I actually figured out how to like time myself by the music. Oh yeah, where I would put certain songs in, and I knew when a certain song came on, I'm like, I'm behind because I should be. You know, I should be a mile like seven now when this song comes on and I'm only at six and a half. So I need to pick up the pace. And that was kind of, you know, that that was my nerdiness. But it just got to a point. It's like, this is boring. I mean, I'm running and yay, whoopee. But then I found OCR and I was like, oh, I like this. So it, yeah, it that's... running. Yeah. Because I'm not built like a runner. You're built more like a runner than I am. I'm built like... You know, I mean, right now I'm built like a fatty, but I'm working on that. But I mean, even when I'm I'm in shape, I'm still built. I've got, you know, broad shoulders, everything else. I'm not built like a runner. Runners are more sleek and I'm not sleek. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm built like an OCR runner where I run for a little bit and then I pick up heavy things. <laughs> there was a farmer's carry um, in the Ultra Loop at Tahoe this weekend, and they found yeah. like the biggest, chunkiest logs. Um, and I, BJ, uh, Pierce and I were pretty much most of the ultra we were together. And, um, he was talking about those logs on the men's side just being excruciatingly heavy. And I passed like two tiny little girls on that one because it was like, they're trying to pick up one of these logs and move them. And, uh, they were, yeah, big and heavy, big and heavy. And that's kind of it too. And that one of the other things I loved about OCR is the fact that, it's not just about running. You know, it's so many times, and I, and I hope people don't get mad at me for saying this, that I've met runners that couldn't lift an extra large pizza. <laughs> but they yeah, could, and know, they could do a half marathon in like an hour and a half. Yeah, an and those and, runners. Yeah. And I got to give it to them. That's awesome. I mean, it's amazing, but I want the muscle side of it too. <laughs> it's like I want to be able to run. I know. I don't think I'm ever going to be, maybe, you know, when I get to, like, if I live to be, like, 50 or 60 when most of the other competitors die off, I might have a chance of, like, you know, winning age group or something. But I know I can at least do some of the obstacles with the heavy. Like, I mean, for me, it's like the turquoise. I don't, most people have to sit down. I just reach up and grab it and pull. I mean, <laughs> it's, I have the muscle yeah. mass, but I need to work on the, like, being able to run, too, so. Yeah. yeah, that was another case at, in Tahoe this weekend. I think it was a husband and wife, and we were on our second lap approaching the turquoise. And uh, I was talking to, I think it was BJ still, and about how I passed like three girls at the turquoise because they're these yeah. tiny little fast runners and couldn't even move the bag. And one of the girl next to me was like, yeah, that was me. I couldn't get it. I couldn't move it. She's like, my hands were just too cold. And so we approached this one again, and... They had run up in front of us, and I went around to a different side, and she's struggling with this and struggling with it and struggling with it. I kind of cheered her on before I went to the other side, and then just went to the other side. Well, I ended up with a lighter one, or I thought was a lighter one, and she had given up and walked over to where the burpees were at. And I was like, no. I was like, hey, don't start your burpees. Come over here and try this back. She's like, no. I'm like, come over here and try this one. I'm pretty sure it's lighter than the one that you're just on leaned back into it so she came over and she kind of got it moving and got it stuck about the same spot that she got the other one stuck and we just kind of kept talking to her and, and, and kept encouraging her and she kind of she got it at the last you know a couple pulls of it but 
I don't, with the whole burpee penalty, you know, that those runners that can't do those strength ones will just run up to it, touch it, and, and go do their burpees and, and take off running again. So it's a disadvantage at that, you know, deal of it. Oh, it's it like is. Killing. I mean, yeah, it's a complete disadvantage, but you know. Yeah. And there's talk about um, Robert Killian. Uh, he was, I think, in first when he got to the tire flip uh, on Saturday. And he yeah. was struggling with it because it was on concrete. So to get your hands underneath it, like he had to find a crack or, or something like that, and he wouldn't burpee out of it. So uh, I think that's – I wasn't down there, obviously, but I think that's kind of what I heard was he basically wouldn't burpee out of it and kept trying until he got that tire, and it cost him a couple places. So, But, I mean, that's that's what it should be about, right? Not just, oh, I can't do it. I'm going to touch it and go over here and do my burpee. It's like yeah. give it an effort, right? And see, for me, that that's a real competitor. That's someone who's yeah. like – I can't do this. I'm going to keep doing it till I can. And I mean, it's one of the things I've said a lot of times, like where I, I, I need to get in better shape, but I, a lot of times I, I will cheer for people that are more in my instance because it sounds really bad, but it takes a lot more for them to get off the couch, you know, mm-hmm. because, yeah. and I, like I said, I hate to say it. Everyone has their own battles that they're up against, but I always just feel like, you know, most athletes, it's like, cool. Hey, this is another cool idea. Let's go do it. Where there's people that are, you know, in my situation now, luckily, I think if I hadn't done this before I started gaining weight and got injured, you know, I don't think I would, I would start now, but it's one of those, I'm already doing it. So I might as well just keep doing it and find a way to get healthy again so I can keep doing it the right way. But for someone like, you know, my size to get off the couch and go do it, those are the ones that I'll be out there cheering, trying to help. And I mean, I'll help anybody. You know me, I'm one of those, you need help. Oh yeah. Cool. Let's go for it. You know? And, but I do see a lot of times I've seen the Hercules where I've walked up and there's some guy that you know, is fast and quick and can't even lift the, the bags. He's trying to get them up mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm like up and down and dropped it and ready to go. And I'm like, dude, do you need a hand? <laughs> like, do, do you need a hand doing this? You know, and, and, or, you know, they're getting ready to go there with burpees. It's like, come on, let's, like you said, let, let's try and get this and get this together and see what we can do. And I've seen a lot of yeah. when it comes to those strength obstacles that that's where it becomes where you see people like, you know, that are built different, like you and, you know, Lorenzo and some of those, you know what the obstacles are, you've trained for them. So you're a runner, but at the same time, you've got the muscle to do everything else, you know, where you see a lot of the runners. And I've seen a lot of them that are like, oh, I'm a runner, I can do this. And then they get out there and they're like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. (laughs) Yeah, and then you have Spartan starting to put um, a lot more, I mean, they've always kind of put a couple obstacles back to back, you know, where they have one, yeah. two, or three, or it's grip strength, grip strength, grip strength, or you know, something like that. Now you're seeing like seven yeah. obstacles back to back to back, or within a half mile, you know. Coming into the gauntlet in Tahoe, um, you came down off the mountain and you had Olympus. Then you went around the corner to rope climb. Yeah. Then you ran around the corner and up the stairs to Tyro. Then right next to Tyro was Ape Hanger. Then right past Ape Hanger was Tire Flip. Then past Tire Flip was Monkey with a Twist, all probably within a half mile. So you you put things like that. Yeah, and I failed Ape Hanger both days because it was right after Tyro. I was gassed from Tyro. Yeah. Um, But I failed it both laps. Uh, Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I like the way they've stacked it, started stacking them like that. I mean, I like Montana, 
Because the cool thing about Montana, they're stacked, but they're stacked in a way that you hit like two or three, and then you go way up the mountain, and then you go like for a mile, a mile and a half, and then suddenly you come back, hit two more, and then go back up the mountain, and then come back down. They're all stacked right next to each other, but they're they're really like a mile or so apart from each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you it's know, a world championship course, so, I mean, yeah. you expect a certain, you know, harder level to it. And part of it, too, is, I mean, not the sound bad they're going to do it. And I've seen them do it at Seattle last year when they had the world championship course. If you remember, there was, it, it had been, what, like 10 obstacles that you could see from the, like, from festival. And it was pretty much that way this year where you could pretty much like stand in the middle of festival and turn in that 360 and see so many obstacles so that you can and there seems like they try to do that more where you can see a lot of them from festival so you know you get more spectators because it's one of those things you know i've always heard people say why am i gonna pay 25 dollars to go see vendors when you can't see anything yep yep and it's it's totally you know it's great great marketing play for them because they they will get more people there to watch when people can see more and they are yeah. trying to base that around of you know that spectator course like how can you get to it top is a perfect yeah. place for them because you can take the tram up you they had tons of you know visible obstacles down there so in one of these years i got to get out there i know the one place that's horrible for that is hawaii hawaii you can't see it's like the last three obstacles they have like stacked up every year and those are the only ones you can see from festival that's it you like come around a corner and there's three obstacles and then you're done they tried to do it a little bit more last year this year i don't know because of stupid lane but yeah <laughs> yeah i totally want to do hawaii and there's a bunch of us kind of playing around with it for next year and i talked to it. one of the west coast crew and i was like you guys gonna still do hawaii and he's like oh yeah he's like that won't stop us from doing it i'm like dang they need to announce when it's going to be, though, because I, I know a lot of people to do it. But, like, Justin Wiley's worried because he has to, like, in the first week of November, he has to ask for his time off for next year, the whole next year. So well, he's they like, usually I need do to it, like, a month after. It's moved, though. Yeah, they usually it's about a month after they announce it. But they keep, every year, it's moved by, like, a weekend or two. Mm-hmm. I know, it used like, to be on my birthday weekend, and I was really hoping yeah. it was going to stay on my birthday weekend. Because I know a couple years ago, me and Amber went, like, we left, two years ago, we left right after, like, the day after Amber's birthday, which is the end of July. So it was the first weekend, it was, like, the first weekend in August, because yep. it was before Washougal. Yep. Then this year, it was, like, two weekends, or two weekends? Yeah, two weekends after Washougal. It was, like, the last, you know, weekend of the month. So it's, like... You can't even, like, think, okay, let's just take this two-week block, and it should be somewhere in there. It could be, you know, it's yeah. usually sometime in the month of August, and that's all you know. <laughs> yeah, but see, they did that with Washougal this year, right? Like, they had Washougal, and they put it, like, two weeks or three weeks, like, almost to the end of August, and then they changed it back to yeah. the same weekend that it's been on. Yeah. So, so just never they're know. Probably, they're probably trying to keep it not so close to, to Seattle. Because as it was, yeah. and I was doing this, figuring it in my head, if I had done Hawaii, I would have ended up doing, what was it, six races in a month. <laughs> because I would have done Wachugal. Two weeks later, I would have done all three races in Hawaii. And then it was like two weeks after that was two races in Seattle. Yep. And I ended up, you know, 
not doing anything in Hawaii, but. But it was a good time. It was a blast. And that was what everyone kept telling me. They're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry you can't race. I'm like, you realize I'm still in Hawaii, right? (laughs) I don't know why you're sorry that I'm in Hawaii, but, you know. Yeah, if you're going to go somewhere where they cancel a race, man, what better place to be than Hawaii for that one? Oh, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, are you okay? Is everything okay over there? And I'm sending pictures of the, like, gorgeous sunsets and going, yeah, it's it's perfectly fine, you know. There was a random picture of Amber looking like she's getting run away, you know, taken away by a wave. But yeah, yeah ended up on MSN and Yahoo and Google and everything, and we're getting messages. Oh my God, are you guys okay? We're like, what are you talking about? So good though, so good. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it was a blast. I mean, it was awesome. I love going to Hawaii. So we're definitely gonna do it again next year because I need. It's become my white whale. I, I need. I need to finish all three of those races. It's like in my head now that I have to do those. That's like oh, number sure. one on my bucket list now is all three of those races in a weekend. Yep. Because it's a gorgeous course. And the one thing is, too, is anyone who tells you that that beast course is easy has never done it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know Lorenzo and Zane did the ultra there, and, I mean, they'll tell you. it was. It's There's nothing easy about it. It's a yeah, brutal Yeah, hot and humid and taking naps. Yeah, Zane told me he'd take a nap every so often. Yeah, it's, 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 oh yeah, I was one of those. I was literally like, anytime we found water, I was climbing into it, like trying to get my body cooled down. So that's like one of the things me and Benton have been going to the gym every in mornings before work. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've started doing is I go into the uh, the sauna where it's 180 degrees and humid, and figure yeah. if I can handle this for a while. And kind of I'll pace and walk around so I'm not sitting just to kind of, not enough to get my heart rate and make it dangerous, but just enough that, you know, if I can breathe in this, then I should be able to breathe in Hawaii because that was my biggest problem in Hawaii is trying to breathe. It's amazing yeah. how much that heat and humidity can take you the, the breath out of you. So, yeah, I have, yeah, I have family that live on the East Coast or towards the East Coast, like, and I've gone out there, cousins gotten married in the past few years, and I've done training runs out there. And it's like, it's not very hot there, but you add the humidity in there, and I'm sweating, completely soaked, like, red-faced, felt like I ran 15 miles, and I did two. Yeah, and it's it's a whole different thing, and that's the hardest part about Hawaii is training for, you know, when we live in Washington, mm-hmm. is training for that hot, humid nastiness, so... Yeah, you guys should definitely do Hawaii with us. I know right now, so far, Serena and Justin and both Justin Wiley have said they're going. We're going to have our, nice. little, our little Team Turtle to get going. So, because we, we want all yeah. three races. I mean, right now, I'm pretty yeah. much, I'm on hiatus from racing. I've got one more race next weekend, I think. Is it next weekend? Yeah, next weekend in the terrain race in Vancouver. Oh, nice. And then, and then I'm done until March. So I'm like, okay, this is my time to hit the gym, start swimming, start doing all that stuff, and get my body back to where it should be before I start racing in March. I've, I haven't trained correctly over the last two years since my foot injury. I've used that as an excuse, and I haven't trained correctly. I haven't been getting back in the way, the way I should be, and it's caused me to get injured multiple times now. Like 2017 and 18, I've had, oh, you know, both times in Montana I got injured. You know, um, 
both poles of my arms, and part of it was trying to basically hang my body weight, which is way too much, on my arms, and it's hurt my arms. You know, so I've had a couple injuries that way, and I'm trying to like give the next few months no OCRs and let those all heal and get, you know, drop some of this weight so that I can really come back strong. So, yeah, and March is a good month to come back. Like, that's pretty much, I think, when my race season will start again next year is is March. Because, in all honesty, yeah, I roll into basketball. So we're in basketball right now. So um, two a day and a lot of stuff. And I have two races left on this calendar year before I roll into next year. And it's nice that it's kind of a down season then. Yeah. So you should come down to Vegas and, and hang out with us in Vegas in March. You know, <laughs> that's the issue is is that's always like right during our championships. Yeah. And so the year, the first, I actually went to Vegas two years ago because it was like I didn't book tickets, but I was going to drive because I wasn't sure if we would have made, um, if we wouldn't have made playoffs on the instance, we would have done a play-in game, I was going to be gone. Or it was like the champ- if we would have made the championship series, I would have been gone. Yeah. So we didn't, so I ended up driving down. But this past year, we were right in the thick of things, so I had to miss it. Yeah, see, this last year was really good. I mean, I don't know if you've heard me talk about it. Is if you did it two years ago, you know the river walk, right? Yeah. Where you go downstream and through it and everything. Mm-hmm, and that was right course. at the beginning of the race, too. Yeah, Hammond took the course and flipped it over. He reversed the entire thing. Like, Which is it was good because you got that five yeah. miles of sand running out of the way first. Yeah, so it was almost the, the exact same course but backwards. And you ended up hitting that, you know, the river walk almost at the end, and it was all upstream. Oh, yeah. Going upstream, and I, I'd never really done it and thought about it, but the way that water is, it's just deep enough that, you know, at my height, I can't lift my legs out of the water. So you're doing mm-hmm. So you got about halfway through it, and my, oh, my quads were on fire, and I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, I need to, have to go find a river and just walk up it every day. Ooh, yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, any, I grew up on a river, and so... In in Riggins, we had the salmon running through there, and the little salmon. So we go fishing and walk up rivers, and even in like shin deep water, like that's tough. Even yeah. if it's not flowing like fast, if it just looks like it's meandering, it's still way good training. Yeah, it is. So, all right, let's take a quick break for a commercial, and we'll be right back. Okay. Gray's Harbor Unders makes the performance-based layer clothing you want and need. Whether you work, hunt, hike, fish, run, or ride in the great outdoors. If you work up a sweat, Gray's Harbor Unders are for you. Because their unique dual-layer fabric removes moisture from your body and keeps your skin dry, even when the outer layer is completely wet. It's a base layer like no other. Get you some at ghunders.com. That's ghunders.com. For the best performance-based layer you'll ever wear. All right, we're back from commercial. So, like we're talking about, you know, the the river is a crazy one, and that's kind of one of the things I think that was my a little bit of my motivation for trying to swim and do that kind of stuff because of my foot injury, because it was a great workout, but it wasn't high impact on my foot. 
And yeah. that's what I've been trying to get is that not high impact on my foot. Cause I keep, it's like I've said on the podcast before, every time I've lost weight and got down back to where I should be, it was running it was my cardio. And now I can't do that because when I run, that's where the hurt is. So I'll run for a little bit. Then I get frustrated cause I'm in pain and it hurts too much to move. And then I'm like, okay, forget it. I'm done. And then I just gain more weight. So it's like, okay, time to replan, you know, the swimming, lift weights. Um, I figured out because I'm not that good of a swimmer that what I actually do is I'll get on. They have a weird, it's called the stride. It's a weird, it's not an elliptical, but it's not a, it's not a treadmill. It's yeah. called a stride runner or something. I don't know. It's really weird, uh-huh. but there's no impact on my foot, but I can get a good stride and get a good workout. So I'll do that for like half an hour and then I'll go jump in the pool, swim a couple laps in the pool and then, uh, go in the sauna for a couple minutes to kind of get that breathing and then take a shower and go to work. So yeah, that's and it's part of my, so useful. Yeah. And I figure if I can like, do that, get that cardio down and then I'll start building in the putting in lifting and stuff like that later. So right now I'm more worried about the cardio than the lifting. So I know I can lift heavy things. I'm not worried about that yet. Yeah. That's the great thing about, you know, our muscular strength is, I remember at the end of last season, I took like two weeks off, like two weeks of nothing, like no running, no lifting, nothing. And I'm like, I'm going to get back in the gym and be like weaker, right? Because I haven't done anything for two weeks. Like I could still lift the same amount, the same amount of times. So I was like, wow, you can go two weeks without, you know, doing this and still maintain it. But with your cardio, yeah, yeah, three days and, and you're already starting to lose it. So if you can bike when you're injured, if you can elliptical when you're injured, if you can swim... You can do any of that non-con, like non-lower leg if it's a lower leg thing. Um, it's really yeah, beneficial. And you know that's one of the things. I mean, I've said it a few times on the podcast. My biggest mistake was when I broke my foot. Was I felt like it sounds bad, but I felt like I was still doing the Spartans. I mean, I took that time off the eight weeks because my foot I couldn't even put weight on it for eight weeks. But I took that time off. But the second the doctor said I could walk on it, I was in Hawaii doing Spartan races. So. Yeah. I'm like, I'm fine. You know, I'm still working out. I'm doing stuff, but I wasn't really working out. I wasn't getting the cardio. All I did was the Spartan races and nothing in between. And then, you know, once it was healed, you know, I could take it off. I could wear a shoe again, all that stuff. Then I'm worried that I don't want to run. I don't want to do anything too impactful because I don't want to break it again. So I'm taking it easy. And I did like nothing the whole winter until all of a sudden I went to Vegas. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I did Vegas, and I'm like, oh, my God, why am I so out of shape? Well, oh, hey, you know, almost a year sitting on your butt. What do you expect? You know? And then it, it just became a vicious cycle, and it became, you know, it just compounded on itself. You know, I did Vegas, and then I'm worn out because I did Vegas, and I'm trying to recover from that, so I don't do a whole lot. And then I do Seattle, and then I hurt myself in Montana, so I take it easy. Yeah. I have an arm injury, you know, so now my foot's hurt and my arm's hurt. Better lay on the couch and eat potato chips, you know? I mean... <laughs> So, potato chips are good, but yeah, it it was a lot of bad decisions on my part. And now it's kind of, you know, I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, it's, you know, it's like the old saying, you know, sink or swim. I mean, either I need to actually start doing what I say I'm going to do and drop the weight or give up. And I'm not one to give up. You're not going to give up. (laughs) Yeah, you're not going to give up. Yeah, I'm not one to give up. So I'm putting together a plan. I've got, you know, the 16-year-old keeping me accountable and going to the gym in the morning. Um, 
Yeah, so it's I've got a plan to do it. Um, I've actually got, amazingly enough, people will be surprised, I have a physical schedule for October 17th so that I can talk to my doctor and see All if right. there's a few things, you know. I think part of my problem is sleep, and I'm going to look at that. So we'll, we'll, I'm going to get this figured out, and I, I think I'm hoping next year I'm going to come back a new man, so. Oh, you're you're gonna you're gonna come back because like you said, you're at that sink or swim portion of it where you've yeah. talked about it and talked about it, but now it's like, yeah, it uh, there's got to be some sort of movement to change at this point because yeah, you're kind of fed up with it, you know. People finally exactly. get to that point. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's it's time. I need to get back, and it's like one of those things I keep looking at, you know, old pictures of myself when I was skinny and ripped, and I'm like, but I still wasn't healthy. I mean, I was skinny and I was ripped, but I was skinny because of all the other bad things that was going into my system. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. that's why I was skinny and I was ripped because I did have a lot of habits that I did that were fun, that were good. I mean, I played racquetball, tennis, mountain biking, all that crazy stuff. So I had those hobbies, but I had other things, you know, I smoked, I did everything else and put bad things into my body that, you know, weren't good for it. So I want to get to that point where I'm healthy and fit, not just one or the other. And that's kind of my problem. I, I've kind of been one or the other most of my life. And I want to get to that point where there's a good balance between healthy and fit. So Yeah. And now we have so many more opportunities, you know, to, to become healthy and fit versus, you know, 10, 20 years ago when a lot of the stuff that's available now wasn't even thought of, you know. Yeah. Hey, but sometimes it's hard to get to get through the well, I don't know a better way to say this, but the bull crap of what mm-hmm. really is good for you. There's so many of these products online that are like, ooh, take this and it'll help you lose weight and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there's no magic pill. It's either do the hard work or be fat. I mean, is that bad? Well, I'm not to say it, but, you know. No, yeah. it's not it's a bad true. way. And our generation, not our generation, but the generations that are coming up, like, no one wants to have to work hard for things, right? They want that shortcut. Like, oh, yeah. Give me that magic pill. Our generation is bad, too. Not as bad as the one coming out, but our yeah. generation kind of started it with the, hey, you know, take the Herbalife or whatever. And I mean, not the bag on Herbalife. I mean, it might be great. I don't know. But <laughs> it's all these fad diets. I mean, you know, Atkins, everything else. I mean, it's like some of them seem great, but then all you read farther into them and it's like, cool, it looks like you're going to lose weight, but to retain that is the problem. And there's a lot of them that you see that you you could drop the weight and you can drop it fast, but you're not going to retain that weight loss. You know, yeah. It's like a lot of the cleanses I see. Ooh, I'm going to do a cleanse and drop 15 pounds. Well, you just drop 15 pounds of like water weight that you're going to gain back in like two weeks. Yep. It's lifestyle changes that are the ones that, that are beneficial and the ones that will stick with it, you know? And, yeah. and that's what people don't want to work for. You know, they want to take that magic pill. They want to take pills on a regular basis. But, you know, you teach diet, nutrition, and, and exercise, and you change the habits that got you there in the first place, and the success rate's going to go up. But, you know, that also takes time. That also takes determination. That also takes dedication. Wow. Yeah. That's a, the mind thing. And that's what I'm trying to find now. Because, I mean, the one thing is I've talked about, you know, 10 years ago, I dropped, I went from from 270 down to 190. And uh, it was probably about nine months. And a lot of it was, it was diet. You know, I went from, my biggest thing was I, I ate dinner and that was it. 
I didn't eat breakfast. Yeah. Most of them I didn't have time. I didn't stop and take lunch. I just worked. And I would go eat dinner. And that was it. But when I ate dinner, I ate like three dinners. <laughs> I'd eat enough for like three people. And just, you know, just chow at dinner. And, you know, I went to a dietitian. Dietitian's like, that's horrible for you. She's like, your body's basically in starvation mode all the time. So it's storing all the fat. And then all of a sudden you're eating this huge meal. It's like, it's not healthy. She's like, you probably eat more than that throughout the day if you ate it every three hours. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. So I made a plan. And I, at that time I had an office job where I sat in my office all day. And I made a plan where every three hours I had snacks that were healthy snacks in my desk drawer. And then I had stuff in the fridge so I can make sandwiches or something like that, healthy foods, you know, salads, whatever in the fridge for lunch. And that's what I did. I started eating every three hours. When I got up, I had like a yogurt or a banana or something simple. And then, you know, every three hours I had something, just not something bad. It was usually a healthy snack. And then at lunch, we had a gym in the office downstairs and I'd go run for half an hour. And I dropped like 80 pounds in nine months. Dang. And I was doing, I was doing great. I loved it. I was feeling healthier than ever. It was amazing. And then I blew my knee. Yeah. And of course, and that's the hard part. A lot of people don't talk about is the depression that comes with that. You've worked so hard. Now your knee's screwed up. So you do exactly what I just said. You sit on the couch, you eat potato chips, and you cry about the fact that you're all messed up again. And then you gain all the way back. And it's bad decision making. You know, is really what it comes down to. It's like, okay, you, I had that you know, that plan down and had the habits down and it took one little injury to change it. And that's the hardest thing I think for people to get past is that how do you, how do you deal with that injury? Yep. How, how do you continue to do what you were doing, but now you can't run because your knees screwed up, you know? And I think that's where the hardest part for me has been is when I get hurt, I have that bad habit of, well, I'm screwed and I give up. And that's what I need to work on is not doing that. How, have you ever had that where you've had that major injury or just an injury enough that just kind of like, and you're just like, I'm done. Yeah. The funny thing. So I played, you know, two years of college basketball and then I played some college lacrosse um, for our club team at Boise state. And then I coached it. So I did, you know, multiple years of all of these different, like super competitive sports. Uh, I tore my MCL, like, the last three games of my basketball season wasn't a super big deal. I didn't play a whole lot. It was the end of the season. You were terrible. You know, I never got it fixed because I never went to see a doctor on it. Not that big a deal. But then I'm playing rec league basketball, and I roll my ankle really good. I know the difference between, like, a sprain and something more significant. Like, I heard it crack. Like, I felt the way that it went. It ballooned up instantly. I knew I probably broke it. Uh, I went to the emergency room. They looked at it. They're like, nah, it's just a really good sprain. Walk it off. You know, I'm like, well, I can't walk, so you're going to probably need to give me some some stuff. Like, uh, they're like, here's an air cast. I'm like, probably going to need some crutches. They give me some crutches, and then they call me back the next day, and they're like, oh, yeah, you, you rolled this high ankle sprain with such force that you pulled a fleck of bone off that the original person that read the x-ray didn't see. So our x-ray tech that came this morning saw it. So come on back and and get a boot. All right, come back, you know, get a boot. And they're like, you need to see an orthopedic. Go and see an orthopedic. They put me in a cast. Then I develop a blood clot in my cast. Then I have to be on blood thinners. So, like, this whole thing that was 
just like a sprained ankle slash fracture that should have been over in six weeks ends up being like a year-long thing. And yeah. anyone that's ever been on blood thinners, like, they totally mess with your entire system. Yeah. I mean, you're thinking blood just messes with blood. Well, it thins your blood, which means to keep you hydrated. Less oxygen. Is, yeah, less oxygen to keep you hydrated. So I had, like, headaches for your straight. And then you're talking about someone that's pretty, like, active, going out. Um, you're, you know, a bruise can be death with people on blood thinners. Like, if you have something with enough of an impact, it can cause internal bleeding. So I had to have, like, medical alert bracelet on. And, yeah, I went through that whole depression phase. I'm like, well, fine. If I'm just going to get injured and I'm just going to have to do this, I'm just going to stay home. It's stupid. And yeah. I can make it through all these years of doing all this other stuff and playing stupid city league basketball and some girl steps over and roll my ankle and blah, blah, blah. It took yeah, about two or three months for me to, like, snap out of that and stop feeling sorry for myself and just continue on. So, yeah, I get it. It's it's demoralizing, and at some point you either, that's another make it or break it, you either decide, hey, um, I'm going to live like this for the rest of my life because I just don't care anymore, or no, this isn't who you are. Uh, get your crap together and get going. Yeah, exactly. So was there anything that, like, defined that, like, made you say, I need to get my crap together and get going, or was it just kind of, it just kind of happened? It was actually like my first year that I'd started teaching. So I was actually commuting back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived in Meridian at the time, and so it was about a 40 minute commute. And I was coaching three, three sports, you know, two sports that year over here. And uh, when you're in that position where you're a high school teacher and a coach or a college coach, then there's an age separation, you know. Even in my current position now, or I'm the athletic director at the high school that, I, that I'm at, and I don't teach these kids, and I don't have these kids in class. They're still, kids look up to you, right? They, um, they see what you do, and it's a, it's a lead by example thing. So I don't know if I would have been working in a different field if, it, if that would have been the wake up, and I would have actually like heated that and been like, hey, you know, this is the example, you know, you're going to have a lot of kids that, and I've had a lot of kids that have had injuries. I've had kids that have torn their ACL and, and been out for an entire season, you know, and can't play. And had a kid with uh, multiple concussions that she could be playing her senior year and at a four-year school this year, but because she sustained so many concussions, they decided that it's better for her not to play. And now she's a grad assistant coach. So showing them that, you know, you can persevere through you know, these minor setbacks and, and they don't define you is important. And I don't know if everyone will ever have that experience, you know. I, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of thing. I think it's something different for everyone. Cause I like, for me, I think one of the things that finally did it for me was kind of the same thing, but it was really, it was my kid. You yeah. know, looking at my kid doing, you know, Ben did his trifecta this year, you know, yeah. and doing that with him and realizing that I was what was slowing him down. Does that make sense? Yeah. He could have done those races so much faster if I wasn't with him. And that bothers me a lot that I'm, you know, which you want your kids to be better than you. But it just, I'm a competitive person, but it's not just even the competitive. (laughs) The fact that he, I was moving so slow that he could have just left me and went. And he probably should have. 
but you know it's kind of one of those it hurt me you know to know that i was the reason that he didn't finish any faster than he did and it's like i need to fix that next year that was the slap in the face you were waiting for yeah you know i need to make sure that next year i'm competing with him you know yeah not that i want to beat him but and it sounds bad because me and Ben have this kind of crazy thing because we do we do a 5K every month with as a family, at least a mm-hmm. 5K every month as a family. You know whether it's just a stupid little you know road 5K or whatever, but we we do it together and it's almost always at the end of it, me and Benton will take off and unfortunately for Amber leave Amber behind and just <laughs> sprint for it to see who can be you know who can get to the end faster. And most of the time, it's a pretty even competition. But it's been getting more and more where it's not, you know. <laughs> I can still sprint really good for a couple, like, 30 feet. But, you know, he's finally getting to that point where he's getting athletic enough that I, you know, I can't keep up with him. So <laughs> I need to get better and get, you know, so I can keep up with him and, you know, give him at least a challenge. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's funny you talk about you and your son. My dad's going to finish his trifecta, his first trifecta um, in Sacramento. And it's going to be two days before he turns 70. He's still young, Jimmy. Yeah, and he's going to run age group in Sacramento, so he's really been putting putting in the work uh, lately. But we've always competed. Uh, Yeah. And there's certain things he's always, like, beat me at, and there's certain things now that I beat him at and it's still that it's a hundred percent still that competitive thing or uh it's hilarious even the smallest things like he's a big pool player big ping pong player yeah and, you know it, it could be something as simple as dominoes with the family and it's an all-out war in our family and it is so fun uh well, that's it's just, fun. oh yeah absolutely yeah no, definitely so who wins the domino? Oh, it's kind of, I don't know. We've all gone back and forth. Yeah, it's it's really funny because uh, we've always played dominoes on New Year's. Like, it's been a New Year's celebration thing for, like, years and years and years. Um, and it's always it's the whole family. Like, my grandpa passed away several years ago, but you know, he was, like, the biggest trash talker of them all. Um, and my grandma, she's a pretty big trash talker as well. So, yeah, there was always very appropriate language and a lot of competitive behavior and and dominoes uh and it, it kind of went around the table actually like it's pretty evened out as far as who gets the wins and who gets the losses uh, so. see my family was always cribbage and yeah my grandpa was a big cribbage guy too no one else really in the family like he kind of taught taught us grandkids and not i have like all of his old cribbage boards uh well some of us grandkids do, but yeah, big time. Good cribbage player. Yeah, that was kind of me. In my family, that was like when I was a kid, I remember that's pretty much how my mom taught me how to count was playing cribbage. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've been playing cribbage since I was like, you know, knee high to a grasshopper, but, you know, as they say, but I mean, I've, that's, that's always been my game. And that was like one of the things I taught, you know, the kids and Amber, but usually me and Amber are the only ones that play play cribbage me and bang we we get on actually the like ps4 and we'll play overwatch and yeah fun like war games and play against each other so Mm -hmm. oh yeah 
So, yeah, no, it's it's good. You know, it's good to be competitive with the family. I mean, it's, you know, as long as you don't take it too far. But Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's always a lot of trash talking on all different levels. And and my dad still trash talks me in racing, and he knows. Like, he knows I go all over, and I'm relatively competitive, but he's always like, well, just try and catch me, or you better get moving because I'm coming for you. I'm not kidding. Well, did you... How many races yeah. did you do this year? Uh, I think because um, I did so I did train race, Dirty Leprechaun, and Cosmo outside of all the Spartan races, and then I think I have five sprints. I think I'll end with four supers in Sacramento and Montana Beast. I failed the Kimberly Ultra or DNF the Kimberly Ultra, successful in the Tahoe Ultra, and then I have the Dallas Ultra in like three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it'll, it's a pretty good calendar season for me, for sure. Yeah, and you usually hang out with those troublemakers, Zane and Lorenzo, so. Yeah, yeah, I travel with the wolf, wolf pack a bit. Yep, they're that's, troublemakers, that's, but they're lovable troublemakers. Yeah, yeah, I travel with those guys quite a bit, and then uh, and Justin's been down here. Uh, Rachel, Rachel and I are getting ready to go to, to Dallas for the ultra. That'll be Rachel's first ultra. Um, Jess from Boise, Trisha from California, Leo. Those are generally all the ones that I've made travel trips with in the last year or two years. Rachel, is that the one that did the death race? Yep, yep. Rachel, oh, what's the last time I should know? She was on the podcast with me, but I'm horrible with names. But yeah. <laughs> but she's, she's never done an ultra, but she's done an agogi and the death race. So, yeah, she just got back from Mongolia, Agogi, too. So she's got two Agogis in death race, and she didn't want to do an ultra, and we kept talking about it, and then it was kind of like, okay, let's do this one. And I'm like, all right. It's kind of and I wasn't sure. Sound, I was going to say, not to sound bad, if you've already done an Agogi and the death race, you <laughs> might as well go back and do the, 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 the ultra. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what I told her. And I was okay with it because I wasn't sure how Tahoe was going to go. And yeah. I was like, oh, if Tahoe doesn't go well, like, I need to at least be ready to go to, to Dallas. And, and plus they count, as, they count as part of your trifecta. They count as a beast. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I can still get my double and possibly triple. So nice. That'll be good. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we're about an hour right now. So, <laughs> is there anything you want to say to the listeners in closing? Uh, don't become stagnant. I think you asked kind of why I started doing this, and it, it stemmed from that 5K race. But it it also was that like pivotal point, and I kind of touched on this earlier, where I was kind of looking for something to belong to and be a part of because there's, you know, certain aspects of your life and expectations when you hit like certain mile, mile markers in your life, when you're certain ages, like, Hey, do you have a good job? You know, do you have a house? Do you have a car? Do you have a family? You know, all these things. And when you get to that age and, and maybe you have three or four of those things, but you don't have the seven things that you thought you were going to have, you start to look around like, well, what am I doing wrong? Or what do I do now? Uh, So I kind of was, this came at the perfect time for that. I said, I wish it was around 10 years ago. I wish I could be doing it when I was in my 20s. 
uh, I'd probably be, you know, faster and, and stronger and, and more efficient, but I'm just thankful I can do it. I'm thankful I didn't screw my body up enough and I know enough about like physical therapy and training aspects of it because that's where my background is and I've grown up with a bunch of athletic trainers. So I'm glad I pay attention to those things and I don't overdo things and uh, I'm just glad I can do it and I'm I'm glad it came when it did because I think it was really kind of like a lifesaver. So, yeah, don't become stagnant. If you're looking for something, find something. Go out. Go out and get it. Put yourself around good people. And, I mean, we have tons of good people. Yeah, we do. Amazing, amazing group to be a part of. Oh, it is. And, and I agree with the, the don't become stagnant. And that's one thing I love about the Beast is that it's not it's not just OCR. You have guys like uh, Michael Sanchez who's now suddenly getting into running. And doing, you know, marathons and stuff like that. You got people who do marathons. You have people who do, you know, Patrick's pretty much talked me into doing a tri- uh, triathlon next year. Um, <laughs> yeah. That ginger. Yeah, that dang ginger. But so I'm going to do, <laughs> it's going to be a sprint triathlon just to start with because I'm, my problem with swimming, I'm a strong swimmer for about 20 feet and then I drowned. So I've got to get that. <laughs> that endurance thing down but that's what's great about this group there's so many different you know there's the workouts there's everything i mean it's they really oh yeah build so that we have everything you know it kind of encompasses everybody so and i think it's just going to get better so. yeah i think we have more and more members and i talked to other you know, I'm friends with the Warrior State of Mind group, and I yep. mean, all of us are from Colorado, obstacle course raider, racers, yep. you know, people that are West Coast Spartan Street Team, all these different people, and it's like, people are really attracted to, like, our group and what our group does and the way that we interact with people. Um, it draws people to us, so it just makes us yeah. bigger and bigger and, and to touch more people and to get more people motivated and more people out there, so it's awesome. Yeah, and I think, like I said, it's going to get better and better. I mean, they're putting people in the right places. They've got you, you know, in Idaho as the director, and I think you're going to do great things over there. You know, I'm not sure about the Washington directors, but whatever, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that later. But, oh, they're Zane fine. Yeah, I know. You got Zane and Lorenzo down in Oregon, and I mean, I think it's really good. And I mean, you got the now we're a nonprofit. You yeah, know, that's going, coming together. I think it's there's a lot of be- great things coming. So perfect. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for for talking with me. It's been a blast. Yes. Miss Thanks Jenna, for having Jenna, me on. She didn't have anything to you know give to the podcast, and she's given a great hour long <laughs> episode. So. Ah uh, well, thanks. Thank thanks for taking me on. Oh yeah, anytime. So it was awesome, and I look forward to seeing you at the next race. Awesome. Thank you. All right. See you later. See ya. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast brought to you by Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. You can find us on Facebook or at BeastOCR.com.